Welcome to Everyday Entrepreneurs Everywhere with your host, Chris Parker. Hello and welcome. The guest right now is Stan Phelps, who is a great thinker and author. I'm delighted to have him here. Uh, he's helped me in a lot of different ways, also with uh, projects and companies that I've been running uh, to come in as an inspirational force. Um, so thank you very much, Stan, for, for taking the time out today. Um, for the rest of the audience, would you please just let us know who are you and what do you do? And most importantly, why do you do what you do? Sure. Well, thanks, Chris, for having me. So I am an author, a speaker, uh, who looks at the future of both the customer and the experience that we provide for them, but also the experience that we provide for our employees. Mm -hmm. And how do we reinforce culture and engagement? And I've, I've written this Goldfish series of books, which is now 15 books strong. But it's all about kind of a progression of how I've, my thinking has developed. And it started with a simple why. I was a marketer for over two decades. And I just saw marketing, Chris, going in, in a real, I thought, the wrong direction. And I was a big part of the problem. And I decided, hey, I need to be part of the solution. And it led me on a journey of, of initially crowdsourcing over a thousand examples. Mm. Uh, and that ended up being the purple goldfish. And it's kind of my thinking is developed from there. And what was the wrong way? I'm just curious if you can share. So in, in my opinion is I think marketing is too focused on the prospect. Mm. And not enough of marketing is focused on creating the experience and taking care of the customers that you already have. And yeah. the ultimate goal of marketing, and, and I, I don't know if it's even debatable, is that the best form of marketing you ever do is, is referral and word of mouth marketing. And people will admit that that's the best type, yet it's like less than 10% of companies have any type of word of mouth or you know, retention strategy when it comes to creating that memorable experience. Is it because creating the experience is harder than simply throwing a campaign out there or is it just a mindset thing? What, you know, cause uh, well, I, I think, you know, we get so wrapped up sometimes in what our brand is and for, you know, decades it was all about the promise, right? A brand mm -hmm. is what a promise and I, I think that's a very narrow way of looking at it. I think in this day of, of social media, that our brand is no longer what we tell people it is. It's what people experience. It's what mm. they, they feel when, about that experience and about what that brand is about. But it's most importantly what they tell. Your brand is what your customer tells other people. I guess and so I think it's a... Yeah, based yeah. on what they remember, I suppose, as well, because it's, it's not only what yeah. you experience together. And, um, right. And, and we know that, you know, people that get referred to a brand, in some cases, are upwards of four times as valuable to a company mm -hmm. than somebody who's acquired through traditional means. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the brand of the goldfish. 
So if you can very briefly, because I, I love the goldfish story. So if you share it a little bit, um, why the goldfish? And then, and then, uh, you know, share that. And then I'd I like to dive down that a little bit about the different books that you've been participating in and writing. Sure. So the goldfish is just simply a metaphor for growth. And the idea that little things that you can do, the things that you can control, can truly make the biggest difference. And so uh, I always like to share this because it actually comes from the answer. The punchline here comes from the Netherlands, mm -hmm. of all places. The average goldfish, and it was my very first pet, is three inches or about 10 centimeters, mm -hmm. which is about the size of your thumb. Right? Um, what's what's the what's the largest and you know this because you've been in the presentations what's the largest goldfish in the world and i'm not talking about a a carp or a koi right because they get pretty yeah. big the world's largest goldfish comes from the netherlands and it's actually almost 50 centimeters right which is yeah. 50 centimeters is the size of the average domesticated house cat yeah and so the, the real quick metaphor is there's five reasons why that goldfish grows. And those same five things apply to everyone who's listening to this right now and every company they've ever been with. You know, it's the size of the bowl or the pond mm -hmm. for a goldfish. That's the market for market. what you, yeah. Um, it's also impacted by the amount of other goldfish in that bowl or pond, your competition. Yep. The third thing is so relevant right now, it's also impacted by the quality of the surrounding and the water that they're in, mm -hmm. right? And so that's nearly, if we think macro, that's the economy. You know, the, the ability, the nutrients could be the ability to get capital, that cloudiness could be people's willingness to purchase and buy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, we're in the midst of a global, you know, the likes of which uh, as our, president here in the u.s would say the likes of which the world has never seen before number four is key it's goldfish are tiny when they're born so how they do in the first four months will determine ultimately mm. how big they get so how they get out of the gate a baby goldfish is called a fry as in small fry i mean they're, they're they have a hundred brothers and sisters when they're born yeah so, so what's what are you called your first four months when you're in business or you're in your job? You know, you're you're yeah. a startup, right? A startup, or, yeah. Yeah, a new and you know, how you do in that first critical four months in, in a position. First, first hundred days or whatever. First yeah. hundred days. Um and then the fifth one, which is punchline, the most important for a goldfish, it's genetically, what are they born with? that separates them from all of the other goldfish. And the stronger their genes are, and the more that they're separated, the bigger they typically get. If their genes are weak, and they're like all of the other goldfish, the less they typically grow. And the punchline is, look, assuming you've already been in your job for four months, or you've started your business, and you're way past the first 120 days, the only thing you have control over is what? is how you differentiate what you do yeah. and more importantly i would say how you do it and why you do it and that's that's kind of the the metaphor of the goldfish now 
the part of the inspiration came from a hotel chain called Kimpton. You'd mm -hmm. stay at a Kimpton and one of the unique little things that they would do is maybe you're missing your family pet. Mm -hmm. They would give you a pet goldfish for your stay. And did they, they called did, the, did they give an, a, a complimentary uh, like stream of a fish called Wanda so you can, <laughs> or is that, is that going in the wrong direction? <laughs> yeah, that goes in the wrong direction. Um, they okay. actually got rid of it two years ago. It had been oh, around for yeah. years. Yeah. They got acquired by IHG, which is Intercontinental. Yeah. And frankly, they succumbed to Kill pressure from yeah. PETA and other groups to get rid of it. Uh, okay. But well, for yeah. yeah, for eighteen years, it was you know fifteen, eighteen years. It was a so it, I loved yeah. it as a little thing that would give people a reason, yeah, to talk about that experience. Like the uh, there's a lot of things that pop to mind, like the um, you know the, the chocolate chip cookies at the hotel check-in and things like that. So I love the goldfish metaphor, and um, that streams through a lot of these books. <laughs> uh, that I have <laughs> most, most of the collection, so I still have a few that I need to uh, to, to complete it out. But um, question is, is, is um, you know, you're, and you've written and, and um, you know, contributed and partnered with you know all sorts of really interesting people on these these you know, fascinating and, and valuable books. How do you make the decision? So my question is, how do you focus? So if there's so much going on out there in the you know in the the knowledge and the inspiration and the, and the customer experience right. and the strategy and the purpose, um, you know, industry. Um, right. How do you focus on, on keeping, you know, true to the goldfish? Uh, you know? So to me, to me, it's been an evolution of kind of my thinking and having gone through these processes. So again, I was a marketer. And so my initial thought was, Hey, Let's stop focusing so much on the prospect. Let's focus on the customer that we already had. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, the customer was the end all be all, right? Uh, Sam Walton, there's only one boss, right? And it's the customer. And they can fire us simply by spending their money somewhere else. Well, what I realized, which is interesting, I looked at over a thousand examples, Chris. And what was amazing to me, the companies that really got it, the Kimptons or the Double Trees of the world. What was amazing to me, or Zappos, you know, there's a ton of them. I have a Hall of Fame of about 70 companies. What I realized is that though, for those companies, Chris, customer didn't come first. You know who came first? I do. The employee. Their employees. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and yeah. it was a realization that, look, you can focus on the customer all day, but if you don't have happy, engaged team members, you've got no chance of creating happy, enthused customers. Yeah. So that was the, that was the green goldfish, the second one. And I didn't learn my lesson. I collected another thousand examples. That was the last time I made that mistake, by the way. Um, but I studied how companies did little things. And part of the reason why it's green at least here in the US, that's the color of what? Money. Of, of money. And money is proven not to engage people. It's the little things that you can do. There you go. And by the way, there's a 2.0 that came out just over a year ago of, of green, which I partnered with somebody on, which is amazing. It's a great update to the book. But that led me 
to the next kind of revelation. And I used to think, Chris, that you treat all of your customers and all of your employees the same. Right? You know, all of your customers you? are, yeah. are, and I no longer believe yeah. that. Yeah. And that was, that was the golden goldfish premise. And it was based on the Pareto principle. And it's the idea that simply for most businesses, 80% of profitability comes from just what? 20%? 20 of customers. 80% of sales typically come from your top 20% of salespeople. And you can go on and on, right? Um, you know, 80% of your referrals come from just your top 20% of customers. So here's the thing. It's not like you're going to treat everyone, anyone horribly, mm -hmm. but you have to know who your vital few are. I wonder if it works the other way. Is, it, is the 80-20 rule, like the, 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 the most complaints and heat and tension come from the, the other 20%? Or 80% yeah. of, of your complaints come from 20% of your customers. I guess the challenge will and be because there's, there's probably some overlap. So there's some of those complaints that, hey, are coming from super loyal, super important. Right. Listen to that. And there's probably right. some coming from, well, that's just somebody having a bad day. Who, uh, Yeah. <laughs> So really quickly, about eight years ago, I started doing work with IBM as what they consider a futurist program. Mm -hmm. And if anyone else wants to call you a futurist, more power to them. If you call yourself a futurist, that means you're, how would you say it in Dutch, a klutzak maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, but, uh, I, think that, that, I think that fits. Yeah. Working I don't, I, with I, IBM... I don't, I don't think the futurists who are the self-proclaimed futurists, uh, you know, maybe didn't, you know, forecast this Corona crisis uh, on a timely basis. So it's, yeah, it's kind of hard to. Uh... Here, here's the thing. Working with IBM, I just realized the role going forward that technology, data, and analytics were going to play mm -hmm. in providing a more responsive, customized, uh, and frankly, a, you know, a lot of little data that would help create a better experience. One that was more predictive, one that was more responsive. And uh, that led to the blue goldfish. Now, I, mm -hmm. I probably can't take you through all, I just mm -hmm. finished the 10th color last month, but I'm not gonna take you through the next six because it would take too long. But yeah. suffice to say, mostly it's been re revelations on my part of what I see is important, whether it's mm -hmm. purpose, happiness, you know, generational insights as we have now five generations in the workplace, um, mm. being able to handle pressure when it comes to both sales and client management. And the latest one was our ability to communicate, which is we do more of this virtual type of stuff is absolutely key and a yeah. game changer. And looking at, at the, you know, Stan Phelps Enterprises, you know, this whole business machine that, you're, that you've built underneath you. Um, and, and maybe this is, you know, speaking to people who are aspiring authors and speakers um, who want to sell their knowledge, you know, like, you know, like myself, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm following, you know, in your footsteps and, and just, you know, eating up the little things that I can learn from you and, and others, you know, in our network that we know. Um, 
how, you know, how do you, you know, grow your business? I don't want to really say monetize because that's really the wrong angle on it. But eventually you need to capture value somehow, you know, because right. you're, you're creating so much value and insights and help for others. How does someone, you know, make that their work life? Um, yeah. So uh, I, you know, you, this, if you want to make it as an author and how you monetize it is not through selling books. Mm -hmm. I hope to pop anybody's bubble there. Unless your last name is Rowling, King, mm -hmm. Patterson, Godin, uh, Gladwell, you're not making money and supporting yourself by selling books. Books are a great vehicle to show how you've went in depth into something and how to break it down mm -hmm. for someone, but how you monetize that is really through um, keynotes, workshops, virtual programs, coaching, consulting. Now for me, in the beginning, I, you try to do everything and what you have to very, and you would, you would back this up, Chris, what mm -hmm. you learn is one, if you try to do everything, you're going to be, maybe moderately good at some things. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to realize one, who your target is and two, where you can add the most value. Yeah. And so for me, it was, I didn't enjoy really coaching or project-based consulting. And so I've, I've tried to eat my own dog food. I lopside in keynotes and workshops, mm -hmm. whether they're in person or now, like I'm doing later today on the yellow goldfish and the purple goldfish, more, more virtual. Yeah. And it's, it, people overcomplicate, I think, how difficult it is to succeed as an author and a speaker. Really, you've got to just do four things. One is you've got to have world-class content that actually solves problems. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't care if you've got the greatest story, you know, if it's not addressing some a pain that somebody has and solving a potential problem, but, yeah. it, it can be a hobby, but you're not going to make a business of it. Yeah. Two is more of what we call your platform skills. And simply you just have to be able to present it in a way that's compelling, engaging and memorable. You, you have to be able to create engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the last two seem really simple, but people trip themselves up because this is a word of mouth business. Over 70% of the engagements you get are through people that have already seen you or have referred you to someone who's looking for a speaker. So the number three thing is this, you have to be easy to work with, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and it, it's, it's all about what I write about. You have the value you provide, yeah. and then you have the maintenance, what it's like to deal with you. And unfortunately, speakers have a bad rap. And number four is going to sound ultra simple. You got to finish on time. Yeah. Well, that, and, that was and these are not my four things. I, this was shared to me yeah. by a fellow speaker named Mike Staver, but it was like a light bulb moment. Like you could try to do a hundred different things, but if you're not ticking those four boxes, 
Well, the, the finish on time reminds me of this one that I just read delightfully. Um, and, and, and I consider myself an, you know, an okay speaker, uh, probably better than the average dog. But, but when I was you know, reading through this, there were so many tips and tricks. And one of those things was just absolutely respect the time. And um, amen. So what, what I love no, about those there's four- no ex- There's no excuse, right? Yeah. That's a cardinal rule. It doesn't matter if the person before you started and took some of your time doesn't matter if you had a technology issue, doesn't matter if you got interrupted by something that happened virtually or at the event, yeah. in person at the event, <clears throat> yeah. you've so, got, that's the only cardinal rule of speaking. And I am watching the time, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, learned, right. I, learned, I learned from you already. So um, maybe, maybe a, a question a little bit off our script, but just a very you know, a personal, meaningful question, as, as we've known each other for many, many years. And I, and I do have a, a tendency to overcomplicate and overengineer. And my life is one of, of discovering as a professional generalist and then always sort of going wide and then narrow and wide. And, and for me, it goes narrow and narrow. In order to achieve those four things, I guess you didn't do that overnight. You probably, I hope, <laughs> or I'm doing something wrong. Because what I'm finding is it's a constant, hey, this is a new re- revelation. Right. Go, Talk to people about it, expose it to the wild, get kicked in the head, and right. celebrate. So, like, hey, that really worked, and that really didn't. And then, you know, for what I find, it's a, just a constant iteration. Is is that what it was for you, or do you have any smart cuts for that journey? I, I there, uh, there are that, no shortcuts for an easy question. And, and, <laughs> yeah, and I, and there are no no trap i would say this is a great quote by a former quarterback named Roger Staubach there are no traffic jams on the extra mile hmm. like you know 80% of people when asked if they've got a book inside them say oh yeah at some point in my life i've i've got a book what percent actually write a book so a fraction of 1 yeah 1% two, so two. Uh, so here's the thing. I mean, I, I, if you feel like you've got that burning idea that you need to share, um, make sure that, you know, you're, you're, you know, some people will tell you, like, if you want to become a speaker, just go out and speak 50 times Yeah. because you're going to have to really hustle. And it doesn't matter if you're in front of rotary or, uh, you know, somebody's mastermind group or Toastmasters group, go out and there's no shortcut because mm-hmm. if, if the only way that you succeed in this is through word of mouth, it's like a chicken or egg thing, mm-hmm. right? How can anybody refer you if they've never heard you speak? They've never seen you, yeah. Now, there, there are some ways I would tell you like, I wish I got to go over the fear of doing my own video eight years ago. And I did more of it on a constant basis. Mm-hmm. Like that would be one shortcut because in absence of being in the room, video does convey that ability to engage and the ability to tell a story that's memorable. Yeah. And I, and from my own experience, um, I think the, the, your own confidence, I guess, or your capability of, of communicating via video. Um, I was confronted by a business coach this late last year, and, and her her 
very clear statement, confronting statement was, you've got so much in you, start publishing it, even if it's really incomplete. Just start putting little right. pieces out. And my first videos were, were um, horrific, in fact. They're, they're, <laughs> they're really bad, but I was delighted that I was doing them. I was even you know, in New right. York once, trying to fulfill my you know, 30 videos in 30 days in the back of a taxi, you know, making this damn video because I'm like, I, I, love just, it. I just got to do this thing. And um, I love it. And then, and then, yeah, then time goes on and it gets uh, more and more refined. So um, on the book question, there's two schools of thought. I'm curious your opinion. That one is if you, like you said, if you have a burning idea in you and you want to express it. And the other quote that I've heard recently is write a book about something you want to learn or you want to be an expert in. Because right. that, that is probably more of a, I don't know, enriching journey or something like that. Do you, sure. Do you have a Yeah, opinion? what I love about all, all, yeah, I would say you can do it both ways. One, if you've been a SME, subject matter expert in something, right? And you've, you've kind of seen how the sausage is made in the background and the missteps that you can make, by all means, share that. But if you can also do it the way that I do it, which is I have an idea, an, an insight that I then go out and I, I find somebody who's that subject matter expert, but I don't stop there. I go and collect hundreds of examples through crowdsourcing and mm -hmm. through research and through reading books, right? And I put all of those things together and then with my co-author, we look through and we try to find the patterns within those hundreds of examples. And when you can start to see patterns, then it allows you to, to start to put a framework around it. Mm -hmm. And that starts to become kind of the skeleton of the book. Yeah. I, I do want to share one thing, with, and you hit on it, which is perfect. And this is speaking. This is writing a book is, and I love this quote. Um, my buddy, my buddy spent a, like a few decades in the Navy, and he, he would tell me this. He would say, 70% perfect, 100% done. Yeah. And perfection and, and here's is the, the enemy of profit. That, yeah. And here's the th same thing. When yeah. you are presenting, no one has ever given a perfect speech, right? Yeah. It's in what's called an asymptote. Like, you can always try to get to that line that's, you know, that's running parallel, but you're never, ever going to touch it. You can get close. So here's the thing. Don't get wrapped up. And I love that example of being in the back of the cab. Presenting is not about perfection. As my friend Stephanie Scotty would say, she says it's about connection. Mm -hmm. You're not just spitting up information. You're conveying feeling. Mm -hmm. And once you get over yourself that you have to be great and it has to be all perfect. And that's when you start to become in the moment, your best mm -hmm. self. Yeah. No, beautiful. And we've got, we've got a couple minutes left. Um, uh, two last questions, at least one, one is um, as you're going through that, you know, this is a question about your own mindset or motivation or your own, you know, um, you know, you're working, you are your brand. Um, you know, Corona crisis happens, shit happens. Um, what, what do you do as a, as a solopreneur or, you know, an, an independent expert to keep things moving, keep you motivated, keep you getting up in the morning? 
I assume you get up every morning. <laughs> yeah, you, I, do, what, I do, I do. <laughs> what keeps you I going? Do. I, I check the pulse. <laughs> yeah, all good. Um, so, you know, the, the, I, I, I really took this as an opportunity. I just finished the, I was finishing the 10th book, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you forget what you learned. And so I took this as an opportunity to like go back and like reread all my stuff and look at it wow. with new eyes. Wow. And so I don't know if you recall this, I did 29 days straight of free eBooks. Yep. Like, hey, look, knowledge should be free, in my opinion. And I love Amazon because they give you an opportunity as an author, if you opt into it, to make your books free. Now, I know that people with great intentions will download it, but at least I've got them to think enough. And every day for those 29 days, I would write a post about a different book in the mm -hmm. series. And over the, I'm in week number eight now. When that finished, I decided to do a webinar series for nine of the 10 colors. And it's called the Back to Black webinar series. It's been every Tuesday. I know you've been on one or yeah. two of them. Yeah. It's, so that was also an opportunity to, hey, stay engaged in the content. So where, where I spend the majority of my time is on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I write a, a post at least a couple times, if not daily, called the 1299, hashtag one, two, the 1299, which is just a, they give you 1300 characters. I, I do 1299. Mm -hmm. yeah. I go right up, bump up mm -hmm. to the edge. So that's a place, or my website is stanphelpsspeaks.com. Outstanding. Learn more at ebullion.com slash podcast.